Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Author of our lives, we praise you for writing us into your narrative of salvation as characters in this chapter of your story of creation. Help us to tell the truth of your steadfast love and mercy to all who have ears to hear. Amen. Our message today comes from the book of Ephesians, chapters 4 and 5. Hear these words. So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands, so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up, as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we continue to be on a journey through the book of Ephesians. Uh, We are traveling through over the course of six Sundays. The first three Sundays, we looked at um, what Ephesians says are the uh, blessings of being part of the family of God. And then starting uh, last week, we started looking at the three responsibilities of being part of the family of God. And if you remember, you know, Paul was writing, I, I kind of do Paul was writing, right? We, we talked before about it's all the language Paul would use. It's all the, you know, um, it's clearly somebody who spent a long time with Paul, but there might be an argument that it was a student of Paul and not Paul. Anyways, um, so most likely we think uh, written um, in uh, Asia Minor, the church in Ephesus was primarily filled with Gentile folk, uh, not Jews. And so Paul kind of sets the tone for these chapters, uh, especially in chapter four, verse one, which we talked about last week, walk worthily of the calling with which you were called, right? So this whole heading of responsibility is not about duty, but rather about our calling. It's about our purpose. It's about our heart's desire to be doing the things that we are gifted to do. And then uh, also, um, you got a heavy dose last week of the one body, one spirit, one hope of your calling, one God and Father of us all, right? That was the beginning of that passage. But don't forget, it's not all about um, uh, cookie cutter and one size fits all, because later on in that passage, uh, Paul talks about the diversity of gifts and how important it is to have apostles and teachers and pastors and, right, uh, all of these different gifts come together to build up the body of Christ. So 
I need to confess to you, inanimate objects talk to me. Do they talk to you? Now, I'm not saying that I'm, you know, hearing voices or, or, you know, suffer from, I mean, I have my own mental illnesses, but that's not one of them, right? Inanimate objects talk to me. Uh, we, we have a rule at our house that junk food doesn't get left out on the counter because it talks to me. I, I walk by the Oreos and they call out to me. No one will notice, Peter. If you just eat one, right? Inanimate objects talk to me. Do they talk to you? I mean, it could be as uh, simple as, um, did, honey, did you take out the trash? Sorta, right? That, that one trash can just kind of yells at me and says, don't, don't roll me to the street. It's okay, no one will know. Inanimate objects talk to me. Um, sometimes it's... Um, you know, the lie that we don't want to tell. Sometimes it's, um, you know, the, the diet that we're on and the things that we see at the restaurant. Madeline Swift, a noted uh, child, early childhood educator and writer, um, talks about this concept with young children, um, with preschool children. When you ask them, why did you eat the cookie? When you ask them, why did you ride your tricycle out onto the road? Why did you do those things we told you not to do? Madeline Swift says the experience might as well be for the preschooler that inanimate objects talked to them, right? They've heard you say how dangerous it is to ride your bike in the road, but that smooth asphalt cried out to them, said, please come and ride on my flat surface. And they did, right? They totally forgot everything that you told them, and they threw caution to the wind and listened to the asphalt and rode on it, right? Inanimate objects talk to me. Um, I think they talk to all of us. I think um, when we start looking at Ephesians, it is a passage today, especially about speaking the truth. And, and speaking the truth is important. I have to say out loud to my family, please do not leave the Oreos out on the counter or they will disappear by sundown. Right? But to speak the truth to each other. And part of that truth is to confess. It is to confess that we are tempted. It is to confess um, that uh, we have uh, challenges. It is uh, to confess that sometimes the way is less of the straight and narrow and more of the windy and scenic as we try to figure out this life of imitating God. I like to say that there is a confession always in front of us. That the confession is either our confession of sin because we ate the Oreos, not that Oreos are sinful. I, I mean, I've, I've done my work. Like, I can assuredly tell you that Hebrews never, or I'm sorry, Oreos never come up in the Jewish Old Testament. Um, or the confession might be that we resisted the temptation and chose to trust in God, right? There's a confession no matter what. I believe that our lives uh, are, um, that one of the responsibilities of living in God's house is to speak the truth. And it may be the best way to think about that to say that we should confess. We should confess when we are wrong. We should confess when we trust in God. We should let the truth be something that comes out of our mouth often. Paul talks to us here 
uh, in this particular passage about how to get along. Much like the children this morning, we are reminded um, that lying, even if we think it is a lie of omission, or even if it is a tiny little white lie, that no matter what, it will damage. It will damage us, it will damage community, it will damage those around us whom we love. Paul reminds us that anger left unchecked causes more damage than we realize. Hence, you know, that um, adage that's often talked about in premarital counseling, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Now, I, I sometimes say that if you're really, really angry, it's okay, go, go to bed and then take up the argument in the morning when you're rested. But it, um, I can talk to you about that afterwards if you'd like to. Paul says there's no shortcuts in life. There's, there's no um, stealing to make your way. And then if you've spent your life thieving and stealing, then it's time to work. And not just to work, to gather stuff. Notice in that passage, um, Paul says that the thief should work so as to provide for the needy. Paul wants us to know that we are no longer individuals, but rather a family that we can no longer think of ourselves on our own personal uh, self-interest, um, uh, 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 personal development plan, but rather we are a group, that we rise and fall together, that we learn together, that we are a family. And so building up the church, building up ourselves, becomes a group project. But all those things that we do that tear us down, that tear the church down, that tear our relationships down, should be thrown out the door. And he makes a long list of them. Were you listening as Tracy read the scriptures? Um, all of those things, that sniping, that pulling down, that tearing one another apart, um, all that stuff, even wrangling. Did you catch that? Paul says we shouldn't wrangle. You weren't listening. So pull your phone and just look really quick. Wrangling. And I'm like, okay, I'm all for no bitterness, no anger, no sniping. But really, I have to give up horse riding? I, I never took it on. Okay, I'm going to keep on my notes because that one clearly didn't work. And so Paul continues to remind us. And he says it, um, that we are to fulfill our calling we are to put away all of these things so that we can love others, be kind to others, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven us. This is our calling. I think calling is hard language. It's one thing to tell the truth, but did you read chapter five, verses one and two when Tracy read them? Uh, the goal here is for us to be imitators of God. That sounds like we're megalomaniacs, right? I'm just going to do what God does, right? I'm going to be an imitator of God. People will imagine that I'm God and I will tell them that I am. No, the type of imitating that we're called to do is the same type of imitation that you might find um, as a, a parent teaches and forms a child, the same type of imitation that happens in the classroom as a student learns from a teacher, that that type of imitation is powerful. 
I had a, a friend who was telling me a story, um, had a, a young boy, was, uh, his son was young, uh, four or five years old, and uh, they would do everything together. And the son loved it when they wore the same colored shirt. A little boy would say, same, 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 same. And what he found is that over time, you know, he would play this to his advantage, right? If they needed to learn how to do some chores together, he would show his boy how to do the chores and then turn back around and say, same, 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 same. And uh, over time, uh, this language uh, really developed between them. And the ability for them to do things together and then to do things separately and to be reminded, same, 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 same. These are the things that we are doing. We watch God forgive others. We watch Jesus in the scriptures lead. We see the servant-heartedness of the church in Acts. We welcome the diversity that comes in the um, Acts of the Apostles. And we say, same, same, as we are imitators of God. Now, I have to say that the world could benefit from a little bit more of uh, imitation uh, of God. Um, have you noticed lately uh, that the number of unruly passengers on airlines just in the last six months has doubled what it was all of 2019? The unruly, and this is factoring out people who don't want to wear a mask. We'll just set those aside, right? I mean, Southwest got so serious, they don't even serve alcohol anymore on the planes, right? Clearly, that's an indicator that things are changing. You're not going to laugh at me. Okay, I'm going to keep going. I mean, imagine what it's like for us to embrace our calling, to speak the truth, to um, embody this love and kindness, so much so that we love strangers, I, I mean, it seems like the anonymity of the world around us um, is destructive. That if, uh, I often think that we should have our license plates tied to our Facebook accounts so that uh, when we cut someone off, um, people can dislike it on Facebook. Because I think that might actually control some of the road rage that happens in the world around us. You know, I mean, because then we're not anonymous, Right. Um, when I was looking up these kind of statistics around incivility and rudeness and all of these things that Paul is trying to tell us not to do, I found an interesting one. In one small study, uh, survey, it said that 70% of respondents said that they were angry every day. And 31% of those said that they're really angry every day. Is it terrifying to find out that the people around us are so dissatisfied, so angry, so on edge, so feeling as if the world is not working with them, but rather working against them? What would it be like for them to find in you a new friend as you wait together for the self-checkout at the grocery store that never reads the thing like you want it to? What if they found in you someone who was caring and servant-hearted, not cutting them off to get to the next gas pump so they could get their discount? What if it was that the church was known not as judgmental hypocrites that are overly focused on money, but rather those people who love like Jesus loved? 
I think we would find our reputation changing. I think we would find as we imitate God that we would be building up the church. Now, some of you would say, well, wait a minute. If we're building up the church, then that should mean that there are more people here and that there's more money here and that there's more programs here. I think the world that we live in, if we all imitate God, we might find that the world might be a little bit kinder. The world might be a little bit more gentler, more patient, more servant-hearted, more kind. You know, those things that we used to call the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that the world might um, have more of that around us. I find it a challenge when we think that church will get better if we can just finally invite somebody inside the door. That attractional idea of ministry is hard, especially in a world like Texas, where there's more, it seems like, more churches than gas stations, right? Where everyone's inviting somebody to go somewhere, but nobody's really showing up for the tough times of life. No one's really speaking the truth in difficult moments. Nobody's really trying to love others as God loved us. And so it becomes just a matter of a country club who provides more, who entertains better. Paul's calling us to put away falsehood. Paul asks us to speak the truth, to remove our ego from the equation, to build up rather than to tear down. This really is who we are. And I always find it interesting that I'll write my sermon, you know, days ago, and that darn children's moment bears out, right? Because to tell people about Jesus, we cannot be people who harbor a lie. That to harbor a lie is to muddy the waters on our own ability to confess, to confess that we have followed God, to confess that we are not perfect, to confess that as much as we try to be same, same with God, we will fail. We will disappoint but the difference between us inside and outside is that we're willing to stand up again, be forgiven, take up the mission again to speak the truth. Why? Because it is our calling and because it will build up the church. Big C church, not little C church. So, do inanimate objects talk to you? Do you see um, a, a grocery cart in the parking lot and decide you'll bring it back in? Do you see an opportunity for service or gentleness? I have to confess, this is not in my notes, but John Wesley has these instructions for preachers. He's kind of the guy that started the Methodist church, right? And, and he, oh my gosh, it's like, do not tarry in one place. Do not be underemployed. Do not be half-employed. You know, he has this like ricochet, rocket uh, fire of expectations. You know, if you go into a church and you don't spend time with the children, you should reconsider your call to ministry. Ouch, Right? Um, John Wesley was very interested in um, preachers not uh, st staying in one place too long. I had a bishop that talked about um, that when you put preachers all in one place, that, that preachers were a lot like fertilizer, that if you pile them up in one place for too long, they stink up the joint. That's why John Wesley thought you should spread them out as far as you can. But that whole power 
of productivity sometimes keeps us from doing the work that needs to be done. I, I have a colleague who spent the afternoon in a coffee shop, not to get work done, but to listen to the stories around him, and then, when appropriate, enter those stories, not to fix, not to change, but just to witness and to care. I wonder what the world looks like to us as Christians, different from the world around us, a world that calls us uh, to love and to care, the Holy Spirit that asks us to imitate God, to be same, same, as much as we can. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.